Namaste and welcome everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Bharat Vartha Weekly. I'm Roshan Karyappa. I have Abhishek Paul with me and together the both of us will run you through the news and events uh, of the week that was. Quite a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, there was uh, the case of Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter, uh, which was, uh, yeah, I mean, it had, uh, at, at least Twitter was abuzz about it. And then, uh, uh, you know, Prime Minister Modi's outreach uh, to the Sikh community. There's a looming coal shortage and power crisis ongoing right now. And of course, we have the long-awaited LIC IPO coming up next week. So all of this and more on this week's weekly. Well, Elon Musk has acquired Twitter. It's finally happened. Last week, the Tesla CEO struck a deal with Twitter's board of directors to acquire the social media platform for $44 billion. The saga began with him acquiring 9.2% of the company in early April with a view to influence board decisions. In mid-April, the billionaire made an offer to buy out all shares of the company at a price of $54.20 per share. Twitter's board then adopted a poison pill merger technique, diluting the company's share to push the price of Elon's bid up. To fund this takeover, uh, Musk will borrow $13 billion and pay $21 billion from his own holdings. This also includes a $12.6 billion loan against his holdings in Tesla and SpaceX. Well, what can I say? I think, uh, you know, we've spoken about the fact that the, the richest man in the world is a shit poster, right? Uh, and uh, there was a huge, huge meltdown, uh, right, Abhishek, uh, last yeah. week when all kinds of things were said that, you know, uh, billionaires are capturing public conversations and, uh, you know, uh, they're stifling uh, free free speech and expression and all of those things. I think the, the key thing is Elon kind of recognizes the influence of Twitter, right? Uh, even though our numbers probably lag uh, big time behind, you know, Facebook or an Instagram or whatever else, he kind of recognizes the content of Twitter and the influence that Twitter has. For all effective purposes, Twitter is a public sphere, right? At least in the US. I mean, I think 60-70%, maybe I think 40% uh, actually, of their uh, user base in the, is in the U.S., uh, right? And um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, so so he recognizes that you know capturing uh, capturing is the wrong word to use, but controlling this public sphere is uh, really important. And he has these ideals of free speech and expression, right? I mean, uh, he seems to be actually a classic, uh, you know, libertarian, even leftist type, um, uh, liberal at least, right? I mean, if not leftist types. Uh, in fact, I mean, he posted uh, this on Twitter, right? I mean, he posted this whole meme of. Uh, you know how much the left has uh, uh, gone towards the to the extreme left over the last like five six years, and how people like him have uh, become a little alienated, right? And I think that's that's a very fair point. I think a lot of people identify with that, right? Um, the deal itself will go down in October, so that's quite a way off, and uh, there could be plenty of things uh, happening in that interim period. Uh, in fact, Balaji Srinivasan had written. Uh, an important uh, article on this where he said that, uh, you know, Elon should uh, probably launch an Elon coin, right? And, uh, uh, <laughs> and like, you know, use Web3 to uh, decentralize and to make it more than just, uh, uh, you know, a case of American policy versus Elon, right? I mean, I think that's a very important point as well. Because if you look at it, I think the whole mainstream establishment is against uh, him kind of taking over uh, Twitter, right? Because all of them are kind of skeptical what will happen uh, and this guy is a maverick. So, so yeah, I mean, that's an interesting article that you guys can check out. What do you think, Abhishek? Yeah, I mean, uh, when he launched the bid a couple of weeks back, I think privately all of us were feeling this will probably not go through, right? There are so many people opposed to it who will sort of come together to block this, yeah. right? Including... Yeah. We discussed them thinking of doing a poison pill and all that, right? And also, Elon Musk was not looking for a negotiation, right? He had simply put down his first as well as final price, right? So, the fact that 
Twitter board actually folded pretty quickly, actually does show that they do have a lack of confidence within them in terms of whatever their vision and roadmap is to, you know, increasing the value of their firm, right? Because mm. people could always argue, right? That look, today we are at whatever, $30, $35, but XYZ roadmap for the product will take it much beyond whatever Elon is offering. And you could have had a fight like that, but clearly uh, they felt that, you know, <laughs> right now, given their state, it's probably in the best interest of shareholders that, you know, this bid is accepted. Now, uh, yeah, I think uh, I have like two, three points here. Number one, uh, as you said, the establishment and left of center uh, political influencers, let's say, whether they are actual politicians or activists or media personalities, they're all pretty much uh, in consensus that this is the worst thing that could happen, right? Like people are making, I mean, the more uh outrageous ones among them are the ones going out to declare that they are quitting the platform and all that right or they will quit the platform so uh so that i think basically uh over the last let's say few years and especially um since the time of donald trump coming into the public sphere as a politician uh this view has sort of developed that uh you know, full free speech is not a good thing. Like you need to censor, you need to control, you need to stop whatever uh, they think is, uh, or whatever, you know, the establishment thinks is misinformation or disinformation and all that, right? Because right now, I think uh, in many ways, it's all about uh, protecting people's feelings, right? When it comes to free speech for them, like you, whatever you should say should pass all the various checks that have been laid down by the woke uh, folks, right? Uh, so otherwise you are causing microaggressions, otherwise you are you know, causing offense, you are behaving inappropriately. And again, when it comes to uh, the, the big thing in their favor, I suppose, is the whole January 6th incident that they repeatedly bring about, right? That, you know, they were using Twitter and other social media to do a sort of insurrection of their capital, right? So I think that is probably the sort of strong point on their hand. At the same time, you know, things like how the, uh, Twitter blocked a legitimate news story like uh, the Hunter Biden yeah. uh, laptop uh, incident uh, report by New York Post. That was quite unbelievable, actually, you know? Yeah. I think that you just, you can't click on that link, like it'll... You can do that via Google, but you can't do that via Twitter. It was quite insane. Then, of course, uh, actually taking off the sitting president of the United States was something even more unbelievable, right? Like, can you imagine someone trying that in another country, right? Uh, yeah. So I think looking at what Elon Musk has been saying, he's sort of like, as you said, he's like a classic liberal he believes still believes what liberals used to believe 10 years ago right mm. in terms of uh, that free speech is a good thing and i think he's also given a good caveat in all his statements that uh, he is uh, free speech the conditions are what the governments will set right uh, so any exceptions should be what governments consider as exceptions not arbitrary exceptions uh, exactly. made up by uh, 
you know uh, employees of a company so i think the fundamental principles are probably good the execution will of course be challenging because uh, various governments have various different standards so how he and his future organization navigates that will be interesting to see i think at least the one good thing he's definitely talked about is to make the logic of his algorithms public right so people mm. can critique it today it's like a black box we don't know what is triggering you know various exceptions that these people are taking and we know of course on indian twitter right various people are various times complain on both sides of the spectrum so i think it will make a lot of sense that you know at least the public will know why any action is being taken and then of course i think he also seems to be the type of guy who is like open to suggestions and open to corrections right so that will probably make a big difference so yeah let's hope for the best here yeah i mean people have pointed to pointed to the times uh, you know he has responded to folks on twitter for a new upgrade of uh, their tesla or whatever right i mean adding features and so on yeah. i mean he's a super hands on guy yeah. uh, right and uh, yeah i mean it's it's going to be very difficult right because i think it's one of those complex problems of our times because all of these platforms have moved way beyond platforms to be publishers right now right um and um, so yeah i mean they can't really act like pipes and infrastructure you know whenever it's convenient for them um and and i think the only way out is as elon says you know um open source the algorithms let people understand that you know why certain things are being promoted or why other things are being banned and so on because this this whole black box that you talked about like the shadow banning for example yeah right is a very pernicious thing right i mean a lot of people have suffered the brunt of it yeah and uh, i i think elon categorically categorically has said that you know my aim is to piss off both the extreme right and the extreme left right so so yeah i mean definitely interesting times and uh, you know considering that twitter is so relevant right i think uh, you know this this is a shot in the arm i think it will do good overall i think yeah well moving on close of home prime minister modi conducted a big sikh community outreach after the punjab polls last week uh, in the outreach to sikhs after the punjab election prime minister modi met a delegation of members of the community at his lok kalyan mark residence in delhi during a speech on the occasion he asserted that the sikh community has been a strong link in relations between india and other countries in an address to community members from different walks of life at his residence he said the entire country feels grateful to sikhs for their contributions in the freedom struggle as well as in the post independence era well abhishek uh, you know considering everything that happened during prime minister modi's trip to punjab uh, right where uh, i mean there were some shocking incidents that came up um, right and uh, you, you, what is this i mean is this uh, is this to sort of bandage those uh, wounds uh, you know uh, calm down those insecurities uh, what do you make of this uh, outreach yeah i think uh, uh, i i think uh, pm modi has always tried his uh, best over the years to have a very good relationship uh, with the sikh community but of course uh, you know various uh, issues uh, on the ground have made uh, you, know, you know the hindu sikh uh, sort of relationship especially in punjab uh, quite challenging in the recent years Uh, with the farm protests probably being one of the bigger flashpoints right uh, and also i think there still continues to be a small undercurrent of uh, a khalistani movement that continues although most of it is outside india uh, so yeah i think as you said he 
uh, invited various uh, prominent leaders and members of the community at his resident residence and i think i was just reading through some of the reports uh, so he made some very interesting comments so uh, he he lauded the contribution of the diasic diaspora as well right because they are a very prominent uh, face for india actually if you see uh, in north america or the uk etc right six uh, prominently feature uh, in terms of various public activities charitable activities etc there right so they are a very uh, strong uh, sort of face for india now depending on the kind of local politics it it's sometimes an advantage sometimes a disadvantage right given how the equations are but uh, the fact that they are prominent overseas community is definitely something that can't be uh, discounted the other thing he talked about is the importance of sikh gurus right in terms of how they are respected all over india irrespective of uh, the community you are from right i think everyone sort of respects all sikh gurus uh, throughout india and uh, like uh, he acknowledged their role in terms of uh, you know national unity and all that so uh, yeah i think uh, it's good to sort of uh, uh, from time to time uh, acknowledge and reach out to the sikh community uh, this is the second high profile one he's done in the last i think Two three weeks. The other one is the address from Red Fort, right, on Guru Tej Bahadur's birth anniversary, I believe. So, yeah, yeah, and uh, I don't, I don't think anyone really expects that you know Punjab will vote for the BJP anytime soon, right? Yeah. So, considering that, um, you know, this seems to be like a sincere sort of an initiative, um, you know, to calm any kind of divisive. Uh, you know um uh, devising divisive feelings that may have arisen due to some recent events right so well news on the economy uh, lic's ipo will hit the primary market next week the subscription will open on 4th may 2022 and will remain open for bidding until 9th may the price band for the share has been fixed at 902 rupees to 949 per equity share the government of india aims to raise 21000 crores from this public issue bidders will be able to apply in lots with each lot comprising 15 shares many trading experts have rated the ipo as one to subscribe mainly for those looking for a long term investment many are looking at it as a must buy due to lic's behemoth market share of about 64% of insurance premiums in india well i think in india it's safe to say that you know uh, lic is synonymous uh, with uh, life insurance or rather life insurance is synonymous with the uh, uh, lic right uh, i think uh, they plan to dilute about 5% uh, to raise that 21000 crores um, and lic is a mammoth right i mean 280 million policies uh, and just on premiums i think uh, oh, sorry on policies i think it's the fifth largest insurance carrier in the world uh, and it started during very different times right i mean people kind of you know joke about this and the libertarians kind of listening to this may you know uh, feel differently about it but lic was something that was so essential for india when it started in the mid 50s with you know poverty uh, you know post independence and so on financial security for the country was uh, such a basic basic need that just wasn't fulfilled right i mean there was no private markets as such um, and even if there were uh, nobody really wanted to go to the length and breadth of the country to ensure that people are covered right um, and so lic had played a huge role in evangelizing insurance 
with these masses, right? Because think about insurance, right? I mean, it's pretty much the last thing that people choose to invest in. Uh, and especially if you're economically weaker, uh, but ironically, it makes the most amount of sense for you there, right? I mean, we've often heard it that, you know, um, a significant percentage of the families are just probably one medical bill away from, you know, poverty, right? Uh, or one unfortunate accident away from uh, poverty. Um, and, you know, I mean, as they say, insurance is, uh, insurance is sold and not bought, right? I mean, it's, it's very difficult for people to understand the value of insurance and LIC has spent decades evangelizing it, right? Um, I mean, we've all had, you know, that uncle or, you know, that uh, family friend who has tried to sell us a policy at some point of time. Uh, in fact, you know, it's hilarious, but last week, I mean, somebody from LIC called me and said that you can forex your money if you invest with us. Um, I asked what, in what time frame, and they said 25 years and that ended our conversation. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, these LIC agents as well, right? I mean, the kind of micro entrepreneurs they've created um, is fantastic, right? I mean, so many people, um, especially, you know, uh, housewives or people who are working from home, etc. I mean, they've been able to eco a living um, with LIC. And uh, if you look at their claim settlement and everything, it's upwards of 98%, right? Again, I mean, it was sort of as a public good, uh, right? Uh, and also LIC was the first to pioneer this assured based on savings rather than just earning potential, uh, which was again a very key thing for this section of the uh, you know demographic that didn't really know uh, about this instrument um, or didn't really care, right? Um, and if you look at how much of an effect you know LIC has had on the markets or the economy, right? 50% of the assets under management, which is pretty significant, I think 25 lakh crores or something, um, is spent on government-backed securities, right? I mean, so this is the money that goes into, you know, stuff like power or water, infrastructure, um, housing, you know, to stabilize markets and so on. Uh, and the remaining 35% in, you know, uh, equity markets um, uh, and, and just about 15% of this AUM is discretionary, right? So LIC has played a huge, huge role. And, you know, given that, uh, you know, we've had, what, 15, 20 years of, uh, you know, private, private players being in the market, even then, Right, LIC has retained its uh, market share and is uh, is the number one company uh, in the in the sector. Uh, speaks a lot about the execution as well. So yeah, I mean we we give public companies uh, you know a lot of uh, uh, I mean government owned public companies a lot of shit for their you know uh, the way they run and everything. But uh, you know I think they they play they do play an important role. Right, I mean if done right. So so yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Abhishek, are you going to subscribe? Yeah, I mean I will try for it. My luck, as you know, is not great. So let's see. <laughs> well, that, so that makes two of us. A couple of uh, stats uh, which are very interesting. I am just reading. So uh, as you said, right? LIC has always been an agent-led uh, business, yeah. which is very different to the private players. So, uh, so according to some numbers, about only thirty-six percent of premiums renewal premiums today are collected digitally by LIC, right? Which means mm. 64% are being collected via agents. By, uh, but for private players, it's like 90% digital, right? So that's a very interesting sort of stat. I think eventually uh, the uh, digital share will have to go up, right? Because that's mm. how the future is. But LIC is sort of not giving up its... Uh, agents anytime soon as well so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out 
No, I think the agents, like if you look at how banking correspondents have transformed, right? I mean, over the last, uh, you know, uh, five, 10 years, especially, right? Nobody really, you know, believes at this point of time that they have to have, a, you know, more branches for more footprint uh, for financial access. I mean, everyone's using these sort of distribution networks. And I think something similar will happen on the agent side as well, you know, where they're equipped to um, serve these, uh, you know, um, people uh, in the hinterlands, etc. Yeah, uh, with, I think with, that's a yeah. great point, like, because... Ultimately, I think uh, the big cities and metros are there where the private sector competes. But Correct. LIC has the whole rest of the country to cater to as well, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on. Um, a coal shortage has led to a wide, widespread power crisis in many North Indian states. Um, a spate of hotter than usual temperatures pushed the electricity demand over the limit, causing supply to fall short by 1.88 billion units. Even though this accounts for 1.6% of the power supplied, it sparked a supply crunch due to low availability of coal. Some of the worst affected states include Delhi, which is running out of coal in many power plants, Uttarakhand, Uttar Pradesh, Bihar, Rajasthan, and Jharkhand. Even as Coal India has ramped up production of coal by 27.2% in April, many states are looking to import coal to assuage their supply crunches. Well, Abhishek, this was on expected lines, right? I mean, the summer seems to be peaking. And, you know, power consumption is up and, uh, you know, we've had coal shortages before. Is this something which is, you know, uh, run of the mill or is this something to be alarmed about? Yeah, it's expected. And um, the only thing is probably the scale of this shortage is probably the highest in many, many years, uh, which is why I think this is this year's one is a bigger news and sort of cause for a bit of alarm, right? Because I think the quantum of shortage is probably the uh, largest in probably, I don't know, 50, 60 years that India is facing. So as you said, I think the basics are quite simple, right? I mean, in summer, the demand for electricity shoots up, right? Given the really high temperatures and we are kind of struggling to uh, fulfill the demand for coal to, you know, keep all our uh, power plants uh, running uh, you know, at full capacity. So that's the unfortunate part. I think uh, Coal India is doing its best to, you know, uh, tide over this uh, shortage of uh, as soon as possible, right? And let's hope, you know, in a couple of weeks, uh, things are as back to uh, normal as possible. I think uh, load shedding or power cuts are probably... Uh, always going to happen in this period but the whole thing is you know how less uh, how much that can be minimized right and that's something uh, that's very acutely felt probably in north india or other part even south india in non-bangalore places right uh, in summer uh, with you know temperatures exceeding 40 45 degree uh, to not have uh, continuous power is you know a really uh, uh, difficult time for folks out there, right? Yeah. And for all Bangaloreans complaining about the heat, uh, you know, Gurgaon is doing about 48 or 49 degrees Celsius, uh, apparently, right? Good so literal meltdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, uh, to end things with some political news, uh, Prashant Kishore has announced that he won't be joining the Congress. After weeks of speculation on whether the master strategist would join the ranks of the grand old party, both Indian National Congress and Mr. Kishore have confirmed that he will not be joining the party. 
In a tweet, Prashant Kishore stated that he declined to quote the generous offer of Congress to join as he believes that the party needs leadership and collective will to fix deep-rooted structural problems. Abhishek, have you seen the, the PowerPoint? Yeah, but apparently even that PowerPoint is not the full PowerPoint. In fact, there really yeah, it's not all. It's not the whole. Slides. Yeah, it's not and, the whole six hundred uh, slides, right? Also, yeah. it seems the meeting went for four five days and not just a one day meeting. So I was listening to an interview of uh, Pavan Varma by uh, Karan Thapar. You know, just for short and short purposes, just to you know see what happened. So apparently, Mr. Pavan Varma is a very uh, close associate these days of Prashant Kishore. You know, earlier he was with. Uh, JDU when he was uh, with uh, and Nitish Kumar, right? Pawan Varma. So, uh, so it was an interesting interview. I don't think they really disclose. He disclosed anything too insightful. Uh, just give me a minute. I'll be back. Give me a minute. Yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting uh, to think about it, uh, right? I think Congress, uh, Congress's search for the next Manmohan Singh, uh, right, continues. Uh, and you know, various names have been discussed: uh, Shashi Tharoor, Raghuram Rajan. Um, you know, even Prashant Kishore and so on and so forth. Um, not really sure, you know, how serious this was that, uh, you know, Prashant Kishore ever really contemplated, uh, you know, uh, being part of the Indian National Congress. But um, yeah, I mean, it seems, uh, it seems, uh, you know, one of those things that uh, we will have to wait and watch. Uh, also do check out the episode on the Indian National Congress that we did uh, perhaps about a year, year and a half back with Ashish Chandorkar and uh, Rohit Jaraman and... Uh, um, you know, a, a bunch of others. Uh, we predicted a lot of things that are happening at this point of time, uh, the future of the party and, you know, what it needs to do to get back uh, to its past glory and so on. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely check out that episode. That's pretty interesting. All right, moving on. Um, well, uh, so that is the end of, uh, you know, the news for this week. Um, coming up uh, next week we have a couple of really really good episodes we have one on india uk relations uh, this was with sunil sharma of the conservative friends of the commonwealth and nirav kanodra who you all know um, so it was a wide ranging co- conversation on the history and significance of india uk relations um, you know what we can expect in terms of free trade agreements uh, you know defense security um, and other geopolitical uh, machinations that might happen uh, so, so yeah, I mean, definitely do check out this episode. We, in fact, we put out a, a short clip of the episode uh, yesterday, uh, right, which uh, talks about what's happened in recent times and how that relationship has evolved. Um, definitely check out that. Uh, also, we had a very interesting conversation with uh, Karan Basin and Mr. Sujit Balla, uh, who have uh, you have who have a new power, uh, who have a new paper out on poverty, uh, where they find that poverty in India is as low as one percent in 2019, and it has remained uh, at that level. Uh, you know, in 2020 as well, even with COVID and everything. Uh, and of course, extreme poverty defined uh, using the World Bank uh, estimate of, uh, you know, $1.9, right? So, so yeah, a couple of uh, very, very good episodes are coming out. Do check it out. Uh, also, Rashan, if you have any suggestions. I'll, I'll uh, just complete the Prashant Kishore point. Yeah, yeah sure. Just go ahead. a couple of minutes. So, yeah, so I think uh, the feeling that I got out of listening to, you know, that discussion was that Uh, 
But I think so what he says coming out of that history was that the organization was not fully ready to embrace that change. Right? So I think he wanted much more power and authority to drive that change than he was suggested. Right? While I think the Congress Party was trying to place a committee and make him a member of that said committee, and then, you know, that committee goes go on and on. Thank you.